Temple Talks Malta. Episode 24. Temple Talks to Jennifer Marshall, originally classical pianist turned super bread baker. This podcast is produced and hosted by the Temple Magazine team. I'm Mark Mason. And I'm Susanna Hornby. Welcome back to another Temple Talks Malta episode and we are really pleased to have Jennifer Marshall back with us today. Last time she spoke about being an amazing classical pianist, running a company with her husband Wayne, but today we're going to talk about bread. So we are officially calling this a breadcast. Hello Jennifer. (laughs) Hello. How are you? (laughs) Nice to be here. I'm fine, thank you. I'm fine. Good. Yes. Good, and we haven't spoken to you for about six weeks, I don't think, since um, we were all put down into lockdown, and and you were really just building on the idea and becoming starting off a passion for bread making, which has become an extraordinary thing in your life now. Actually, I've been very interested in bread for at least the, ba- the past two years, mm-hmm. so I've been um, uh, my bedtime reading, believe it or not, quite nerdy and boringly and geeky enough, um, <laughs> has been about uh, grains mm-hmm. and learning about grains. I I don't know why I've just been I guess my husband, as probably quite a few people know, is traveling a lot. So mm-hmm. <laughs> what yeah. do I do at night? I read about grains rather than <laughs> um, <laughs> keeping myself busy in this way. Yeah. Um, no, it's just that I actually find, found it quite interesting. So, so it's not been something that's sort of sprouted in the last six weeks, but it was just mm. a passion that I've had something I found about two years ago. I was getting a little bit uh, tired of the, mul- I'm sorry to say, oh, Maltese bread. <laughs> oh my God, people are going to kill me for this. Um, <laughs> It's just that I wanted something a little bit more wholesome mm. and I was missing that. Therefore, started researching grains and how I can create my own, let's say, uh, more wholesome, more um, more, more real bread, mm. you know, because mm. my great-grandfather actually was a baker in the, during the war. Mm. Um, so perhaps, I don't know, it's coming through the line. I have no idea. Yes. But uh, there's always been an interest in that, in baking and in grains, especially I'm very interested in grains. Mm. So that's where that's where the idea came from. And of course, since the whole issue of being quarantined and more at home, mm-hmm. then this has really developed then. Mm. You know. I know, because you said to me beforehand, you could talk about grains for about three days solidly. We haven't got all mm-hmm. day. I'm no. going to talk to you about grains specifically um, towards the end of this piece of speaking to you. Yes. First of all, mm-hmm. though, bread has been around for centuries. It is yes. a hugely a massive tradition. Tell us yes. a little bit about the history of bread. I think we all know that bread is uh, specified everywhere we, we read about, whether it's to do with the Bible, whether it's to do with uh, reading about historically with the Romans, mm-hmm. um, African culture, and so on and so forth. So it, it, as you said earlier on, it's it been with us for centuries. Mm. And, you know, wheat is shown and is spoken about in all, in most of the historic texts. Mm. It's just that what has happened over the centuries uh, with commercialization and so on, mm-hmm. um, wheat has been developed to make it perhaps less nutritious, let's say, mm. because, you know, the enzymes and so on are pulled apart and, uh, and you know, because obviously we need to make wheat cheaper. Mm. However, you know, I mean, even reading about Roman texts and, and even in the Bible, you know, going back to the Bible, whether it's the before Christ and after Christ and so on. Mm. Wheat and bread is part of the culture of creating friendship, of Mm. bartering, of paying something Mm -hmm. with bread. You know, and when, for example, we read, I don't know, about Jesus on his last supper, what does he do? Mm -hmm. He he cuts, he he gives bread to his disciples and so on. Mm. So bread is featured everywhere. Mm. And um, so historically, it's been with us forever, for centuries. Mm. And I think, as you just talked about mass production before, you have taken the spirit and the tradition and the culture and have taken it, stripped it right back, Jennifer, to becoming perfectly homemade 
baked bread. What I'm trying to avoid is to use commercialized yeast. Mm. And that's where my uh, issue has been. Mm -hmm. So what I've been reading about is how come, you know, you hear a lot of people nowadays talking about bread making them feel bloated, mm. for example. Mm. And even with me, you know, sometimes you eat a couple of pieces of bread and you start feeling bloated. Speaking a lot with my parents about this, they keep on telling me it's the commercialized yeast. Mm. They also, there's a lot of improver as well. So it's a lot of chemicals mm. that the body is, is clearly telling us something about. Yeah. So what I wanted to do is to actually take it back to basics mm. and, and use the natural yeasts that we are breathing. Our air is full of natural yeast and therefore we can use that free of charge. We don't have to pay for it. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and create fermentation, yeah. you know, out of, of our yeast these that we have in the air which we obviously don't see mm. we can ferment we can sort of um, capture it suddenly make a very natural yeast yeah. um, which can be used in obviously not just bread this is what a lot of people don't understand in many many other products in our cooking this has been something i learned quite a lot in the last six to eight weeks mm. due to the situation we are in let's talk about sourdough first explain sourdough what sourdough, sourdough exactly. is yeah okay, so basically fermentation which is the natural yeast that i've been i just talked about is called sourdough Sourdough. sourdough basically is a mixture of equal amounts of flour and water. Mm -hmm. You let it sit. You let it sit. It's called, basically in Italian, it's called madre lievito. It's the mother. What you do is you let it sit over a period of four or five days. You mix it every day or else, for example, you top it up with mm -hmm. um, equal amounts of flour and water. There's various theories on this. So, for example, I've tried every, quite a few of them. I've had flour and water sitting, um, a mixture of it sitting over four or five days and it ferments. Mm -hmm. or else you create equal amounts of flour and water, you top it up every day for four or five days, mm -hmm. and you create the same kind of sourdough starter. It's You get the same results. There's different schools of thought. Right. Um, the most important is what happens is with the mix mixture of the flour and the water um, and the yeast that we are breathing in the air, mm -hmm. there suddenly becomes, there's suddenly, there is a situation whereby fermentation starts happening without really doing anything. In a way, you know, water is not expensive. I mean... <laughs> You know, we're not talking about huge amounts of, it is expensive, but not talking about huge amounts of water. Mm -hmm. I'm talking of, let's say, 100 grams of flour, 100 grams of water. Mix it, you create a paste, mm -hmm. you let it sit. For example, you can mix it again in the evening or in the uh, morning. You just air it, kind of. Mm -hmm. And over three or four days, you create what's called a sourdough starter, a madre lievito, which then can be used... Yes, sorry. Sorry, sorry. I know I was going to ask because I'm imagining myself doing it. Where am I putting it? Where do, where do you... Where... In a jar. So you put it in a in a glass jar, preferably. Mm -hmm. And you cover it, of course, because otherwise unwanted guests, like little, you know, fruit flies and so on, come. Mm -hmm. And you don't close the jar completely. Mm -hmm. It needs to have air. So I, I normally cover it with a cloth so that there is a, a light, light cloth okay. so that it can breathe. As the days go by, this first starter, you start seeing bubbles forming. The bubbles means that there's microbes. The microbes are working. They're uh, eating away, you know. Mm -hmm. So I imagine all these kind of invisible little beings. <laughs> just, <laughs> You're making science you know. sound fun, Jennifer. <laughs> well, <laughs> we have to do. I mean, you know, when you yep. um, when you see, when you see that there's been change and you see that there's bubbles, you start saying, "Wow, it's, it's happening!" It's, mm. it, you know, I'm, I'm. And so once once you have this, once you have this starter, then what you do is you can then create what I call the baby. I was trying to explain this to my sister because she couldn't understand this concept. <laughs> so once you create the mother after four or five days, the mother is ready after, you know, with flour and water. You see mm -hmm. the bubbles on the top ready to use. Mm -hmm. Then what you do is 
is you take a dollop, literally a spoonful of it, because it's millions of microbes in that little dollop. And what we call feed it, you have to feed it. Of course, the microbes are alive, so they need food. Mm -hmm. And the food is flour and water, equal amounts of flour and water. Okay. You let it sit for about four or five hours, and that's ready to use for your bread. Wow. Okay. (laughs) It's simple. So you have a mothership sitting in a jar, and and it's just you break a bit off every baby makes a loaf. Exactly. So then you discard the the mother basically you keep a, a spoonful mm-hmm. from that baby you make a new loaf i call it a baby because it's perhaps it's an easy way easy way to understand it yeah. then that baby grows mm-hmm. you know and uh, <laughs> you see all the new bubbles yeah. forming uh, more flour more water as long as it's equal amount of flour and water i think that's very very important to start with mm, okay. and then um, uh, you create sort of the new mother to use for the bread you use for example 150 grams of that mm-hmm. and and you always keep a spoonful of the, your or two spoonfuls of your of your starter. So then you feed it. When you feed it, it means it's going to grow. It's you know the, the microbes are alive. Yeah. You know. Wow. I'm going to ask an obvious question, or it is to me. What about kneading? Am I kneading anything? Okay. So then once you have your starter, you mm-hmm. I what, super simple recipe for example to do is mm-hmm. this 150 grams of your starter, which is it has to be alive. It, it needs to be fed about four or five hours before or okay. even six hours so we are very much dependent on our ambient temperature currently our temperature is getting warmer our microbes are going to feed faster so in the winter you'll see the change is going to take much longer because it's colder and so um, um i'm my starter for example is ready within three or four hours now with this temperature mm-hmm. you cannot use a starter that's limp it has no energy mm-hmm. you take a small dollop out of your fed starter after about four hours mm-hmm. you to test it that it's ready you put it in some warm water see whether it floats that's called the floating test okay and that's basically if it floats it's ready to be used for your bread, basically. Okay. So we, we call it the floating test. I, I mean, I used to use this a lot. As, as The more you do it, the more you start realizing whether your starter is ready or not because mm. you're starting the bubbles, you start recognizing some signs and so mm-hmm. on. And then what you do is normally I would take about 120 grams. It's warm now, so we need less starter to use for our bread mm-hmm. because, you know, even when we put it in our with the flour, the microbes are still working. There's still work going on. You know, mm. it doesn't stop there. No. So about 150 grams, 120 grams of starter, strong protein flour, strong bread flour, mm-hmm. about 500 grams about 10 grams of salt or 11 grams of salt and about uh, low hydration about 250 or 300 grams of water Mm -hmm. and you mix it and that's Mm -hmm. it and then no kneading is necessary no okay (laughs) so what you do is you give it what we call folds we fold the dough every half an hour Mm -hmm. which is lifting up one corner of the dough and bring it down lifting the other corner making sure that all the corners of the dough have been lifted Mm -hmm. and brought down and that's creating air and what you're doing is also you're increasing the gluten by Mm -hmm. doing that so that's what gluten is so how the of course the uh, time with time gluten is also increased and developed however to help that one should also lift and fold lift and fold and Mm -hmm. so you need quite a bit of patience because about three to four hours have to pass Mm -hmm. doing this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's all about technique mm. some people perhaps don't get the right results because they're not patient and so the one big thing that I always say is you need a lot of time and patience mm-hmm. and trial and error you know mm. the first few loaves are not going to be perfect but it's about getting those 
errors to be able to learn what to do next mm. or what how to make it better. Okay, so you you mentioned strong protein flour. What what is that? Yes. What, what what grains are you using? Um, you know, sometimes we go into the shops and buy double zero flour. So that is basically a very fine flour. Mm-hmm. I have done a, a video in the beginning of the COVID issue that we've had, sort of showing that we can use any type of flour because, as we know, flour at the moment is, is quite scarce. Mm. It feels like it's a recession at the moment. There's no flour being sent. Well, there is but you, you have to be lucky to find it. So the double zero flour, for example, the fine flour, is not going to produce as good a loaf as when you get the proper, what we call the strong bread flour, mm-hmm. which is when you have a high protein, which means that the enzyme has not been stripped of all its uh, qualities. Mm-hmm. So the double zero flour is perhaps the less nutritious flour. It's not strong. It's used more for cakes. It's mm-hmm. more used for more sweet things, you know. Okay. So, and I also like to use um, more whole wheat, more spelt, more of the what I call the old grains, mm. you know. So, but ho- however, I I really believe that we have to do, to make do with what we have at the moment on our shelves. Mm-hmm. And so, if only double zero is found on the shelves, you can still achieve a good mm. loaf. Practice makes perfect too. So, even if you had to start mm-hmm. with the only flour you can get in the shop at the moment, it's a start, mm-hmm. and you can start the process. It sounds like you yeah. need to be quite well organised. Yes, I think that one needs to read quite a bit about it, mm-hmm. or. or has been prepared for a few failures which is mm-hmm. fine you know I had quite a lot of failures in my first two years of uh, reading about grains mm-hmm. um, I couldn't understand what for example autolyse is um, why does one put the salt for example I don't normally put the salt immediately with the flour and the water mm-hmm. I normally let the flour and the water mix with the sourdough first mm-hmm. because strong bread flour absorbs water at a quite interesting rate mm-hmm. so for example if you put 200 grams of water with a 500 gram loaf and let it sit what you see is that there is more hydration happening over a period of 30 minutes so the structure and the texture of the of the dough changes over time Mm -hmm. so there's uh, more absorption happening when you let the dough sit i couldn't understand that and that's why time (laughs) and patience is required Mm. I think you know, I it's, it's a technique. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so impressed. You know, you do, you do need patience. I can see that. Cause I, I think I'd be checking it every five minutes to see how it's gone. Particularly now as you're calling it a mother and a baby. I feel like they, they're, <laughs> they're people I need to look after. <laughs> it is a little bit. It is, you know, you, that's exactly what I, what, when people ask me about um, the starter. I say it's like having a baby. So when the baby cries, it means it needs, it needs feeding or it needs changing. Brilliant you know? analogy. And Brilliant. it's the same thing with yeah. your, uh, with your starter. Uh, it's it's like having a baby. It needs to be fed once or twice a day. I feed mine once a day. I, I find it enough. There are people who feed it twice a day. Uh, brilliant. Um, what, Jennifer, what about for people who have allergies to normal wheat or celiacs, for example? Can we can you make bread for them? Yes. So in the last, uh, um, I have quite a few friends who are gluten free, mm-hmm. who are um, uh, yes, who suffer and they have sort of um, flare ups or pains in their stomachs and so on. I've been reading a lot about the fact that sourdough actually increases digestibility and is very nutritious. And I did try to convince a friend who is gluten-free mm-hmm. <laughs> to try one of the gluten doughs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Still a good friend. <laughs> because, yeah, she's a good friend. And she was, you know, she was very chuffed that I did a, a bread for her. Mm-hmm. But she did have some cramps. So that's, you know, I was not too happy with myself. 
So um, I wanted to um, create what's called a gluten-free sourdough starter. Again, trial and error. But I said to myself, I've got nothing to lose, you know, mm. by trying. No, no, quite. And so what I've done, I've realized that actually I can use the same concept for normal sourdough, but using the gluten-free. So I've, um, it, it just takes longer to start. There mm. needs to be much more patience. So I bought um, a few gluten-free flours like buckwheat and brown gluten-free flour, white gluten-free mm -hmm. flour, white rice flour and so on. And uh, I mixed them with water and let them sit for, a few, for quite a few days, about 10 days this time. I was giving, airing them and so on, taking mm -hmm. care of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I created a gluten-free starter. Mm -hmm. And from that, I've done quite a number of gluten-free loaves, sourdough loaves. Mm. And what I've done in the last uh, five months, I've been calling my friends who are gluten-free and asking them, can you, you know, I've done this loaf. Would you be able to, to give me your opinion on this? And I've been doing this. And I think I've developed quite a good gluten-free loaf now which i'm very happy with Amazing. only because they've given me really good feedback mm. with gluten-free loaves i realize that you can't use one flour and that's where the problem lies ah, okay i mm. find that you need you need at least five different gluten-free flours mm -hmm. to make a really good sourdough loaf mm. because each gluten-free flour is so different from the other they have different categories so you need to know which is the light which is the medium and which mm -hmm. is the strong gluten-free flour and how well they mix together together mm. and so that's another science altogether mm. um but you know i've realized there's a big demand for it thanks to my friends who've given me such good feedback mm. that i think i've developed i think a good formula now for mm. it because apparently on the island there isn't or you one can't really find easily i think there is one or two places actually mm. uh, but they can't find easily sourdough gluten-free loaves mm. so yeah i've been baking quite a few of those yeah i can imagine Jennifer, <laughs> yes. can we buy your bread yes Right. now it's because i've been getting a lot of requests and uh, i've been getting a lot of requests i guess you know it's to do with social media and the last mm. so many weeks we've learned how to post more things on i was not a social media person at all mm -hmm. and uh, i realized through my husband's work and so on that we really need to be out there and uh, showcase more what we are doing mm -hmm. of course you know the good things of course <laughs> yeah. and uh, so I've been doing quite a few bread as you know and I set up a, 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 a Facebook page I don't mm -hmm. know if it's allowed to say yes the name, please say it yes you know. oh, okay it? Um, it's uh, leaves and loaves with love Mm -hmm. it's just that you know I, I'm also interested in foraging so that's why the leaves come in okay <laughs> so that's a whole and... other podcast episode I can feel that yes. one <laughs> yes oh, that's leaves fascinating and but it's an online bakery shop obviously so it's online I'm doing pretty much everything at home mm -hmm. and um, and really it started out because because of requests people asking me to bake for them um, sourdough bread wow and and uh, I uh, slowly slowly you know I've created a little bit of a of, of a client base it's, mm. it's fun and what I think apart from the fact that I really enjoy doing different types of loaves mm. you know I sprout my own grains I uh, have different types of flour so I'm really interested in the nutrition side of things mm -hmm. in terms of loaves it's also given me a sort of a bridge for meeting people yeah. during these times it's yeah. been really nice to just at least have someone come to my, our 
door and just having a two minute chat. Yeah. It's just created that lovely bridge of mm. always of meeting someone mm. or speaking with someone, you know, um, especially ha- having stayed so much at home. No, so I think that has, I, that's what bread's given me. You amaze us. You really do. Because I've heard that the bread is delicious. I've, we, we follow you on Facebook anyway. Just to say oh, that and then it's, it's leaves and loaves. And with love, yes. With love, sorry. And it's because it, I do put a lot of love in it, honestly. I just put a lot of passion in it. I think every, for me, every loaf um, says a story. Yeah. <laughs> I know it sounds ridiculous and so on. You know, no. sometimes I even speak to the dough. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, um, it's funny, but you know, I, I perhaps it's geeky and so on. But I, I just am so aware that it's alive mm-hmm. and I'm creating it from microbes that I yeah. <laughs> well, imagine are going crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. Listen. Thank you so much for telling us all about that. I want to talk to you more okay, about it. So you. let's do this again. But um, okay. Jennifer, look after your real family and all of your bread family mothers and babies and starters and everything else (laughs) (laughs) and 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 we we will order a loaf after this so um oh yes i must bring you one though before that oh bless you before you you order i must bring you one. oh thank you everybody go to leaves and loaves of love have a look at jennifer's beautiful bread and we'll speak again soon jennifer thank you very much thank you very much (laughs) thanks for your time as well it's a pleasure For more information, contact Leaves and Loaves with Love on Facebook. You've been listening to the Temple Magazine podcast. Find us on Facebook or visit us at templemagazines.com. And here's our disclaimer. Temple Magazine will not be held responsible for any omissions or errors in its podcasts. Temple's podcasts are produced purely for entertainment purposes. Views and opinions are that of our own or that of our guests. Thank you to Airport Impressions for the use of their song Berlin as used at the beginning of this podcast.